0: This is The Tone Control, episode 00003. Let's just say I hold a lot of puppies. Excellent.
1: everybody i'm justin newton i'm derek Heidemann. let's get to the news
0: <laughs> so uh check this out fender has a new base and it's not a p base and it's not a j bass. it's this like new uh i don't, I don't know exactly what you'd Call it. I definitely like the
1: design. They're calling call it, the it the Dimension the del- Base. Oh, I was just about <laughs> to cut you off. <laughs> oh wow, sold <laughs> out. Yeah, from Chicago Music Exchange. So this.
0: Oh wow. I think this is some kind of resurrected, halfway completed design from Leo Fender that he built with G&L. Mm-hmm. I believe this is similar to a, a current G&L base, but I'm not too familiar with it. I think this thing looks mean.
1: It does. It looks very cool. I'm, so it's yeah. a four string a little bit of a skewed um jazz bass body shape yeah wouldn't you say um yeah a little bit offset waist yeah and the it's got the j-bass pickup positions but the pickups are tell me what these are derek uh
0: that's a great question <laughs> they're like double
1: wide j-bass
0: pickups Yeah, they look like the pickup but they're not they look like the pickup from the ernie ball the music man yeah. he, i i <laughs> sidebar that pickup sounds awesome because it looks like a fist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Show That's what I decided long ago. Anyway, continue. Yeah, uh, so we've got four knobs and a selector switch. It's got an 18 volt onboard
0: preamp and a three band active EQ.
1: Ah, okay. So uh, we got we got volume and then the three band active EQ and the preamp.
0: Right. Okay pretty cool and i think it's got a five-way selector if i'm not mistaken
1: five way for two pickups
0: five way switching yeah well they're humbuckers so it's probably Ah,
1: so there's taps split
0: right so anyway it comes in a four string and a five string maple board rosewood board it just looks cool it's like i'm really interested i don't know i don't play bass and i know we don't it's only episode three but we don't talk about bass a lot yeah but it's not to say we won't and like i don't know this is just a cool thing
1: this looks like it would be a really versatile bass um good for studio um looks like i mean judging from these pickups i would expect that i could get a lot of differing sounds out of this
0: yes but the body i think also looks like smaller than a j bass and then a p bass
1: uh okay i,
0: I don't know maybe i'm kind of looking at this picture of the guy holding it it just looks like a tighter yeah. smaller body which might be good for live too probably lighter weight
1: Mm-hmm. very cool very cool bass all right, I like it. So this is yeah. this is a in contrast to what we said last episode about Fender's uh, new releases. Uh well, new old releases, so yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, more gear, 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 gear. Mister Black, have you heard of these these Mister Black pedals?
1: Uh, I think so.
0: So this is um. This is like a single stomp box size, three knob, one switch, uh, reverb and tremolo pedal built in one. So single switch, meaning like you can just blend with the knobs, blend your tremolo in with your reverb and vice versa. So it's knob, knob controlled on or off instead of foot cold foot switch controlled.
1: Right. I gotcha. So deluxe plus meaning the fender deluxe effects section, essentially.
0: Exactly. Yes. Um, so what's cool about it, um, Oh, the trem is after the reverb in the chain, so you can get this like big splash of reverb if you crank your reverb way up for like surf rock st- kind of sounds or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then your tremolo
1: will pulse warbles, the reverb. You know,
0: pulses the reverb. So that uh-huh. that's cool. Um, I know a number of Fender amps did that, and a number didn't. So some people were kind of like, you know, <laughs> the, those the ones that do, you want it for that reason. Yeah, that's I don't right. know too much about vintage Fender amps, but. That's a cool thing to me. It'd be really cool if you could switch the order. I don't know why you would want to, but hmm. I think it's it'd just be a little more versatile.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like having the reverb in front of the tremolo, for, that, for for the reverb as an effect, having the reverb in front of the tremolo is the better move, like you said, because you can pulse it with the tremolo effect. But if it was the other way around, you'd just be blurring your tremolo effect.
0: True. Yeah, that's that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And reverb, I assume this is like a spring reverb sound. Yeah.
0: Yes so, yes.
1: so that's not the sound of a guitar in a room. The spring reverb sound is the sound of a spring reverb. So it's not like you're trying to, you're trying to get the effect of space. The mm-hmm. spring reverb is kind of its own thing, in my opinion. Um, right.
0: It's, it's a separate right. effect.
1: <laughs> which I bring up because a reverb is often the last thing in your chain because you want everything to echo out. Um, but in the case of a spring reverb maybe not because that's really just part of your guitar sound at that point. It's not it's not so much simulating space as some other reverbs are.
0: Right, but it still typically lasts in the chain because it's in the amp a lot of times. Yeah, sure. You know, 'cause it's it's really the last thing in the
1: chain. And in these amps <laughs> the tremolo and the reverb was in the amp, so
0: True, yeah. yeah. Man, I wish my amp had tremolo. Oh, <laughs>
1: That seems like something, um, like I bet I would like this pedal, but I bet having tremolo in an amp would make me never use it because I'd have to, I'd have to adjust it at the amp. Like when would I do that? I definitely don't want my tremolo all the time.
0: Right. It's more for your cowboy chord type of situation.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So these are, these are amps and, and setups kind of for a a certain style of music. That's what it comes down to, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. The tremolo, if you're an always on tremolo, like really subtle, like we were saying the other day. Or the That's other day right. as in last week or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you listen to the last episode. You know. Um, yeah. So it seems to me like if you know about Strymon pedals, and they make a pedal called the Flint, which is a reverb and tremolo in one box, mm-hmm. but a double foot switch, and that one you can change the order on. Um, and that, uh, that does room reverb as well as uh, spring. Sure. So, so you can change it for that reason, I guess. But um, right. this is kind of like a stripped-down version of that, I think. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure the the Stryman Flint is definitely on my, my <laughs> list. That thing is so cool. Ah, uh, if I ever get one, we we're, we're talking a lot about it.
1: <laughs> so, the Mr. Black Deluxe Plus is retailing at about $180, and this manufacturer does not allow online discounting. Mm-hmm. Therefore, online coupon might... codes are not acceptable to this item. Applicable, excuse me, to this item.
0: One thing I've learned about Pro Guitar Shop which I, I love dearly. Uh, they seem to always have fifteen percent off pedals over ninety nine dollars going on,
1: and it's always the last day of the sale. Every day is the last day. That's
0: right. I think that I think they kind of caught on to that. I mentioned to it on I mentioned it on Twitter once. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> and since they just sit around scanning your Twitter, it's, yeah, right? for well, criticism. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I do. I <laughs> on to us. I, I get those emails too, and every single day it seemed like it was the last day to save. And then the next day, somehow there would be a very similar sale. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I think now it's just their thing. Yeah. $15 off, $99 or more on pedals. Except this one. Yeah. So they, I think it might be an exclusive. That might explain it. But sure. 100 and, 180 bucks. This thing is handmade in the U.S. I don't know. Mm. I'm not. Oh, here's, here's the code. Pedal 15. <laughs> it's right on this page. <laughs> Pedal
1: 15. Don't even try it. <laughs> yeah well this looks like a really nice pedal it's a you know standard stomp box size um with a what looks like all the jacks in the right spot which is to say input right power top output left if you're making pedals don't make them with another configuration because you're doing one it wrong. thing i
0: cannot stand power on the side mxr is the ultimate offender <laughs> that's just power wrong. input on the on the right or left side terrible terrible yeah. something i love input and output
1: on the top yeah input and output on the top works just fine um i like that on the you sides can get your pedals works. really close yeah that's right
0: you can that's that's my only thing about on the top is pedalboard real estate mm-hmm. disappears quickly with you know patch cables bumping up to each other right so anyway uh pgs did one of their cool video demos of this thing so mm-hmm. go check that out I play coded strings as do I? Um as as do you? As you do. Hang on, I got I, I don't have like an article for this. I just have a YouTube link which isn't super helpful. Right. But um this guy Ryan Bruce did a coded string corrosion test. Uh I play elixirs and you do as well, right? Yes, I do. You play the nano webs?
1: Uh yeah, and I've tried the poly as well and I I guess I can feel that they're they the polywebs seem thicker. It um, is, yeah. but I don't find that it sounds any different, and it doesn't really bother me. So I'll go with whichever. I think,
0: I think the NanoWeb. I tried both when I was kind of getting into the coded string territory. Hmm. Um, the <laughs> sorry, that was <laughs> my dog. <laughs> hey, buddy! Party over there! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him walking. I was like, "This is gonna happen."
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, pal. Yeah, we're recording a show. That's right. Okay. You're on the internet radios. You're on the internet radios right now.
0: <laughs> so, um, what was I saying? Oh my god. Uh,
1: so you tried you tried both the nano web and the poly. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. So I think the nano webs feel more like standard strings, and the poly webs are are clearly coded strings. I tried okay. the polywebs first for like a good amount of time, and then was like, "Oh, let's try these out." And for me, it was like I was just too used to the polyweb. Sure. So uh, to me, they're basically coated in Teflon. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to bullshit you. <laughs> <laughs> but they're the polywebs because of the thicker coating. They feel slipperier to me, uh-huh. um, which I got really used to, and I now really like. So. So
1: how do they compare in um, tests? Because that would make a difference, right? I mean, if the polywebs last a lot longer, then maybe I'm being silly by buying nanoweb's.
0: I think, well, his test, he only did nano webs along with other coated strings. Oh, okay. So, what he did was he put these, he put six um, packs of strings in a solution of just salt water, mm-hmm. uh, just table salt and water, and he let them sit for a good amount of time. We well, did one control test of just standard strings. So, he says here that um, the elixirs didn't fare too well. He, um, that parts of them are really rusty and parts of them are even black, which is kind of gross. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, it's my understanding that these coded strings, only the bottom three are coded. Only the wound strings are coded. Is that... No. No? They're not?
1: Not according to the package. Um, they're... Okay. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't have a, a pack in front of me, but I believe that... I
0: one downstairs, but...
1: Yeah. I don't have a pack in front of me, but I believe that they're... The, the, the bottom three unwound are coded, and then the, the top three, I think, are coded after they're wound... Well, because I know the
0: wound strings are coated. That's I thought they were the only ones that were coated. Is what I'm saying. Um, Gosh, I really don't think so. I know you can see the the coating down at the ball end of the string. You can like see yeah. it kind of peels up. Right. Um, I mean, we're gonna ha- we're gonna link to this video in the show notes, so you can check out this test for yourself. Um, this he did like clear tones um, and some other brands. He left them. He let them sit for two days. It doesn't take into account actual wear and tear on your strings because obviously everybody's. Skin oils and sweat is different, and some are highly corrosive, and some are not. Right. And it also doesn't take into account your picking, for one thing. I mean, you're scraping away the coating on the, the bottom
1: end of your string. Mm-hmm. So the coating starts to break, and then that's when you're going to get corrosion. So basically, they're, they're going to last longer than uncoated strings for the sake that the metal doesn't corrode. There's also the the um, issue of like skin and... Mm-hmm. you know, buildup of gunk from your disgusting human body getting in between the coils and the wound strings, which is why I'm checking on this. They're, they are actually, they're coated after they're wound and right, to prevent I, stuff from getting in between the, the wrap. Right? right. And, and the, I, they do that on Elixir does that because according to them, the other coated strings can still gather gunk in between the coils. Hmm. So you said he did nano web? I believe he did nano web. Yeah. So perhaps the coating is thin enough that it was penetrated by the salt water. Could be. And salt maybe water the, maybe might... the nano web is not coated after wrap. I don't know. Well, they're not being uh, completely forthcoming here on their website. So. Well,
0: yeah, they don't want to give away the special sauce.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, but I've also heard like good things
0: about the Diadario coated strings and mm-hmm. clear tone strings. I've never tried them. Okay. Uh, I know clear tones are more expensive than elixirs, which if you've ever thought about trying coded strings, the cost is definitely something to kind of, you know, that's a major hurdle for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. You're looking um, at two or three times the cost of like your standard market value, um, uncoded string pack, right?
0: Yeah. Ish. I mean, I, it's been so long since I bought regular strings, but <laughs> I, I tend to jump back and forth between Amazon and just because they, they tend to, the prices tend to fluctuate a little bit. Yeah.
1: And they beat retail, and,
0: both of them. Right. And who, whoever's got it cheapest at the time I go for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually within, you know, 75 cents or so, but I buy six packs at a time. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of matters. Up. I think they kind of come in around between like seven and eight bucks a pack, maybe up to nine bucks a pack on Am- you know, on Amazon and stuff, but that's pretty rare.
1: That's pretty. That's pretty good. I was. Yeah. Oh, you know what? It's because I was buying some, the bronze uh, acoustic Elixir strings. But the acoustic ones are more expensive. Those are a little bit than more. Yeah. yeah.
0: Those are like in the ten, eleven dollars. Ten or eleven, trying. I think. Yeah. But I mean, for as long as they last, mm-hmm. like I went from changing my strings a few times a month, twice a month maybe, to for no, I can't remember the last time I changed them. Right. And on all of my guitars, you know.
1: Yeah. So the corrosion test says elixir's not that great even if they might be the most famous coded string Well, it's a, yeah his test isn't incredibly scientific it's it's but. a little bit of um, it's it's artificial because it's not like he's testing it by playing them because that would take forever right right but they're all tested under the same they are right amount you know
0: same solution basically right
1: it's a, it's I mean, accurately compared from string to string but how that translates to actual playing wear might be different
0: you know right yeah if you're rusting out a set of elixirs in two days maybe you shouldn't be
1: playing guitar i i <laughs> maybe met...
0: you should see a doctor
1: <laughs> that's right um, <laughs> when i was working in boston i met a bass player who his uh, he he well he was like self-diagnosed as being way too oily um oh so <laughs> uh he uh, wiped his hands down with alcohol swab. He had a little bottle of alcohol and cotton swabs, and he wiped his hands down, both hands, thoroughly before he played every single time. And he said it's because he will ruin a set of strings in a few hours. Like, wow. I mean, he'll he'll start you know he'll start getting rust and strange things happening after you know a day. So, hmm. bass strings costing you know oh yeah five times as much as guitar strings this is something he didn't want so when he rubbed his hands down with alcohol he got you know many days instead of one day out of a set of strings you know and it's tough you know i i on my base strings last from if, if i was playing it a lot i bet you i could still get through half a year you know right yeah that's really. bad so that's my gross story i'm not going to name the guy Cause I don't remember mm. his name. <laughs>
0: That's a good reason. <laughs> yes. We talk about TC a lot and I'm okay with it. So you should be too. Yep. Um, the good pedals, the is especially for the money. Oh yeah. I was, I was just thinking about this earlier today. They announced this today. It's, it's another nail in the coffin for boss. I think there is no reason to buy a boss pedal anymore. Not at all. TC pedals. Like they're a little more expensive but the value is shoulders above boss. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the Hall of Fame Reverb is one of their uh, tone print enabled stomp boxes, which is like the typical size we were talking about a few episodes ago. Right. This is the mini, so it's much closer to the Ditto Looper. If you're familiar with that,
1: it's like uh, a it's a it's like a half size stomp box. It's like
0: yeah, but it's even shorter. I mean, it's yeah, so small right. that yeah. it's so small that input and output have to be offset on the body Mm -hmm. um, it's probably close in size to my ep booster if i had to guess
1: right i see whereas the hall of fame reverb had it was a four knob tone print um so you you know all your basic reverb controls It had a few different kinds of reverbs in there: spring room hall and it was tone print enabled so you could create almost any reverb sound you can imagine with the tone print creator so this one is just the one knob and you're going to tone print onto it the reverb sound you want to use exactly this sounds like my kind of pedal frankly (laughs) because i'm only (laughs) going to want the same thing yeah i'm only going to want reverb for kind of one thing and um, especially this this would satisfy that and it would be a studio workhorse because i could plug it in and create any reverb sound i want and then immediately just go and play through it
0: right i'm not sure if this has usb which might be the catch. So, which would mean you had to beam it from your iPhone. With a smartphone, you select the, the, tone you, select print the you want. The,
1: you select the tone print that you want and And these are
0: these are from like famous guitarists and that kind of crap.
1: Sure. So. Or can can you load from the tone print editor onto your phone app? That's what I'm not sure about. Ah. Well, that would be See, cool.
0: See, on this webpage they're talking about the tone print editor. So, it makes me think like why would they talk about that here if you couldn't build your own?
1: Or but if it maybe has, it. The, maybe you, they're working on it. Perhaps it has a, a USB after all. I just don't,
0: I don't see maybe, it. Yeah, maybe they haven't pointed it out on yeah. here. Well, either way, sounds like a great pedal. Um, yeah, so it's got a single knob, reverb, and you turn it up or you turn it down. Yeah. So I was thinking like, man, I, I would really like one of these for my little amp at home that doesn't have reverb because I use the spring reverb in my Fender. Yeah. But I've kind of like, for a little while, I was like, man, who needs a reverb pedal? That's stupid. And then kind of recently I've been thinking, like, you know, I'm realizing a lot of these ambient guitar sounds that I hear that I like are really heavily reverb-based instead of Mm delay-based. So with a mix of a long delay and a really long decaying reverb, you can get some really cool textures. So I kind of still want to get a regular reverb pedal that -hmm. can do some like more extreme reverb sounds.
1: Right. So are you saying that um, this pedal would satisfy that or not? I'm not sure.
0: Like, it would satisfy my little home amp that doesn't have any reverb at all, because I would probably just have a little quick spring reverb on it. I see, yeah, yeah. But I think for my real playing and gigging rig, I'd want something that had more versatility. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure. I mean, maybe I would just make my own tone print and beam it to that pedal, and that would be the sound.
1: (sighs) It it seems like a really good deal. Uh, What's the retail on this?
0: Not sure. It hasn't been announced yet. I think I can't uh, imagine it would be more than like one twenty nine because the Ditto Looper is one twenty nine. I think
1: mm-hmm. the Ditto um, Looper ought to be more complex than this, frankly.
0: The Ditto Looper involves um, combinations of tapping the foot switch to do things. Uh huh.
1: But I mean, so, I meant component wise. Like, so it might it, oh, it might oh. come out. Uh, this one might come out
0: cheaper. It could. I mean, I hope so. I think the the standard Hall of Fame pedal is only like. 130 you know or or 140 or something like that
1: yeah well Um, then i i can't imagine seeing this for more than 100 bucks i mean
0: don't you think yeah maybe it'll maybe it'll come
1: in at 99 yeah oh wow
0: look at this so guitar center has the hall of fame the standard one for 150 Mm
1: -hmm.
0: here's another website that's got it for 99 looks like it's between 100 and 150 shop around kids okay
1: (laughs) yeah but this would be really um, great because i both of the amps boutique amps that i have here at the studio don't have reverbs in them um Mm -hmm. and that's that's something i would like to have around so i just just to
0: give it a little room
1: yeah especially like just to even if i just had it set on a spring sound all the time because that's something you you want before your speaker you know like i can apply Mm -hmm. reverbs and different room sounds and things like that to guitar sounds that i record but um, if I'm going to do a spring sound, I want it before the speaker. I want it before the power stage in the amp, you know, mm-hmm. so it's saturating. That's, this looks very, very cool.
0: Yeah. With my amp, I've always got a little bit of reverb on mm-hmm. just cause I, I don't like the sound of a, of a guitar that just stops kind of. Yeah. So when I wanted to kind of peter out, just like fade it down.
1: It's actually useful and... for getting, um, really heavy guitar sounds to be tight. Um mm. is actually to kill the reverb, but if you're not if you're not yeah. playing metal, um a lot of a lot of guys have a little bit of reverb.
0: Um. yeah, I think you can also kind of get away with kind of screwing up a little bit with reverb, <laughs> which is maybe why I like it you know if if you're
1: it's another reason for me can, to pick this pedal up. <laughs> <laughs> you can kind of not not
0: that like you're hiding behind the effect or anything like that, but yeah. it kind of fills in if you half hit a note or something. Blurs whereas with no, no reverb it's just like huh? <laughs> listen to my screw up <laughs> sure sure all Man, right screwing up with a long delay on that's the worst
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey you screwed up hey you screwed up yeah hey you screwed up <laughs> right yeah <laughs> one of the podcasts that i follow is uh pensado's place which is uh, Dave Pensado's podcast. It's a video show weekly, I believe. I, I sometimes don't get to it till there's two or three piled up, and then I have a big long day. But Dave Pensado is a big deal studio engineer, and he has he gets interviews with all the big all the big guys uh, in in recording, and sometimes other things. He's had you know session guitarists on, and different kinds of producers, and all kinds of really famous people. Um, I mostly love the show. There are times when I feel like it turns into a bunch of mutual back patting um, because mm. they're all kind of sitting there at the, you know, the show is about basically about people who are at the top of the game and, you know, they're, it's, it's loaded with good advice and stories and secrets and tricks um, from these guys. And so it's definitely valuable and I'm not questioning that, but it's like, Sometimes I just kind of feel like they're all going, oh man, that song was so great. And I kind of feel like, geez, I heard that song and it sold a lot of records, but was it really great? I think that right. kind of happens in pop music and these guys, these guys are in the middle of it. So who knows? I don't know if they, if they really believe these songs are great or if they're just like <laughs> kind of, you Or know. if they're just, it's great because of
0: look how much it sold.
1: Yeah. They're, they're in that zone. So, yeah. So well, I, I feel like it strays into a little bit of back padding. Um but there was this one episode recently it is episode 130 and I guess it's a two-parter it says here but they uh Dave spends almost the entire episode down at a studio called Fairfax which is Kevin Agunas studio he uh bought Sound City the old Sound City Oh interesting and he basically moved his operation there. His studio was called Fairfax. So now Fairfax has a new location and um, he took the place right over and it looks like he kind of uh, redecorated (laughs) a bit, (laughs) but he's got all kinds of old stuff. And they, they, they talked about, you know, the spots in the rooms where all these famous drum recordings were made and this rage against the machine record that was all live right there in front of an audience and all the stuff that's in Dave Grohl's sound city movie which I finally saw. Side note: ah, watched did you? it the other okay. night, loved it. We'll, Moving on, we'll get back to that. <laughs> uh, so, well, actually, let's let's do that now. So, this studio is you know rocking and rolling. Dave Grohl's movie is kind of about how sad it is that Sound City had to close because, and there's kind of like the subtext through the whole movie that digital killed the audio industry. Yeah, I definitely wanted to talk to you about that. It, yeah. it seemed very like
0: digital is bad. Digital's bad, and, yeah. Which was really, I thought, bizarre because all of the artists that have recorded there have since gone on to record records digitally, and it seems like their their attitude about it is like it's the worst. But like, they all have done records mm-hmm. in this new school format, so it's like, how really, how bad do you think it is?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> they're, they're blaming you know changes in the music industry that that happen from technology. Digital comes along and. It sucks at first, but it gets better over time. So the guys at Sound City... As, has, as do
0: most things with sure. this kind of analog to digital, you know? Sure.
1: So the guys at Sound City kind of, uh, they, they seem like they're, they're blaming digital for, basically, the, they, they lost their business, you know, and they had to close and guys got fired. And there's all this history there that it seemed like they, they felt that history was lost. And I feel like, but there are these great recordings. It's a record. That's what Mm -hmm. record means. It's a record of this history. And it's also still there. Sound City had to close. Fairfax is in operation. So clearly Sound City didn't have to close. It was just managed poorly, right?
0: Yeah, it could be a few things. I mean...
1: I mean, right. We'll have to now, see now, how, how well Fairfax does. Yeah, I'm, I'm oversimplifying, but <clears throat> it, you know, it's it. it uh, I felt a little vindicated because I've kind of been saying this about Sound City. Like, I feel like Dave Grohl kind of made a movie that was um, that, that was kind of talking to itself. It kind of misses the point a little bit. And there's a lot of cool parts in it, and you get to see a lot of cool people, and they they talk about great you know, great times they had and telling stories and the rise and fall of this this piece of, of rock and roll history. Um, but then it's very sad because, oh, everyone got fired and they all lost their jobs because nobody's recording big records anymore. And it's just not true. Right. And here's, here's the evidence. I mean,
0: it reminded me, the tone reminded me a lot of when CBGB was closing. Mm-hmm oh, how can we let this happen? I can't believe it's closing. There was so much history there. It's like, yeah, but I, these things happen. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: club rock clubs are kind of dying. Maybe they'll come back in, in 10 or 15 or 20 years. But like
1: right now, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the rock club began to exist because that was a way to make money. I mean, these things were businesses. They, they had... There was an audience for it, so it was self-sustaining. And when the audience dwindled to the point where it wasn't self-sustaining anymore, well, two things have to happen. Either since fewer people are going, ticket prices have to go up, right? Mm-hmm. Or or what? Or it closes, essentially. Yeah. So, and are, do we agree that now CBGB's concert should cost twice what they used to? Would that really have worked? Probably no, not, have, <laughs> because everybody would have said,
0: can you believe how expensive these concerts are? I remember when it was, you know, right. it would have just been the same thing, but in the other direction. How, how much does vinyl cost? How much does it cost to buy a, a new vinyl album? Uh, I'm not certain, but I know it's a lot more than Isn't, digital it's download. It's like 30 bucks. Yeah, it's kind of a lot.
1: It's like 20 or 30. It's like two or three times what it costs to buy albums in, you know, basically the, the current standard format right because that's a legacy format it costs more to make it if you want it it's a collector's item and you've got it but you have to pay for the material costs essentially Mm -hmm. and those material costs you know it was probably cheaper to buy records before because it was cheaper to make records before because they were being made in much higher volumes
0: right now they're much more of a, a niche market yeah
1: so that's just the way it is it's not that big a deal (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah but i thought the tone of sound city was so negative over digital but yeah. i was like i you know i wouldn't have been able to make a record two records if if digital wasn't the thing
1: yeah that's right and and, and and trent Reznor ended up being the most sensible guy there yes um, i agree you know because everybody's oh you know digital all these kids in their bedrooms think that they can make hit records and trent Reznor says yeah you know the 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 cheapening of technology means it can get into almost anybody's hands, which means the pool of people who can make music is much bigger. And most of them still stink, but a few of them are great, and those people wouldn't have had an opportunity without it, and they're going to be the next greats. And he understands that, but it wasn't said by anybody else there. And I feel like it really could have been, and it should have been.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's right on point.
1: Well, GearHeads should check out... Pensadosplace.tv, place tv uh look for episode 130 fairfax recordings uh and just gear out with them because they talk about amps and guitars and old organs he has a, a mellow hmm. uh melotron i think which is cool. an organ where each key actually triggers a reel of tape nice yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> it's pretty amazing uh he said he, he dave asks him at one point or somebody asks him uh, about how long does this has this ever stayed in operation before you, it kind of broke and you had to fix it he said probably a couple of hours Wow. so fun toy Wow, <laughs> <laughs> a fun toy so i think uh, gearheads will really like that episode so check it out
0: so what electromechanical polyphonic tape relay machine the, <laughs> the mellotron yeah i'm looking i'm reading the wikipedia on it <laughs> yeah it's a monster is this the sound from the beginning of, um, oh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds?
1: Uh, what's the instrument that does that? It possibly,
0: uh, sorry, nope, Strawberry Fields Forever. Cool, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have to watch that.
1: So, uh, let's, do want, let's see, if we, we got, we can do, <laughs> let's do another, let's do one of these, uh, extra stories. Okay,
0: the, my note for the uh, doc that we read while we're doing this says there was a time when I thought seven string guitars were dumb and I don't think that anymore. Discuss.
1: Hmm. <laughs> there was a time a long time ago when I thought seven string guitars were awesome. And it was a short mm. time, uh, probably less than a year. And then I thought seven string guitars were not awesome. And that, don't... that lasted much longer. Yeah. Uh, I, and I when haven't thought I first about it in a while. started
0: playing guitar when I first started playing guitar uh, up until within the last six months I went from like thinking look at this it's all showy who needs a seventh string to like okay you're you're playing that kind of music it requires a seventh string mm-hmm. and now it's like the other way so it's like wonder what kind of music I could make with a seventh string <laughs>
1: like if I had one <laughs> I'd just yeah. do it
0: so it's not not that I would replace any of my guitars with a seven string but it seems like a tool that i might want in my tool belt such mm-hmm. as a baritone guitar it's which right. is a little different case but right six string I, I feel like the, i feel like the attitude about seven string guitars is kind of changing it's no longer like this you can only play this style of music on it it's like heavy riff driven mm-hmm. low tuned music or heavy proggy stuff right it's a little more closer to normal, I think, mm-hmm. for a lot of people. I've been seeing a lot of like um, boutique guitar companies build mostly seven string models, hmm. which which is like these are really nice guitars, really well made, hand built, awesome things. And I, I look through their sites, can't find a six string model, hmm. or there's only a few. And they're primarily in in seven string, yes. so it's just kind of got me thinking, like maybe it's, it's not necessarily where it's headed because it's not standard i mean that's up for debate i guess but
1: (laughs) (laughs) so um, i've got i've got uh two guitars in the other room and i keep one of them in standard and the other one i've got uh i think i've got heavy gauge strings on and i tuned it down to i think it's probably right now it's at about c
0: okay
1: um c standard c standard so and i can go lower with it it'll it'll be well it'll be pretty slinky at a right um which is, A is standard tuning for 7-string, right?
0: No, it's it's a 6-string standard with a low B.
1: Oh, it is B. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, but you're still, your 6th to 1st strings are still E to E. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I understand. Yeah. Um, well, that was my thought about 7-strings. You know, do, do we need that? Because basically what you're doing is in my opinion, if you have a seven string guitar, it's because you're planning on playing low notes, whether it's for prog rock or whether it's for, you know, you know, doomy low tuned metal. Um, but either way, really what you're doing is you're adding a high string to your guitar because I can put heavier gauge strings, you know, on my guitar and tune it right down. And then so, so the seven string, I feel like in practice, you're adding the high string, not adding the low string. For for in most cases. Yeah,
0: yeah, you could think of it that way, I and mean, you could think of it either way, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> well, that's... I mean, I've always I've always just known it low B. You're adding a low B, yeah. a low seventh string because you have you have to buy seven string sets, and it's not ten to fifty two anymore. It's ten to lower than fifty two. Yeah, than 52 they're like sixty
1: five or something.
0: Something like that.
1: I should so know this. So anyway, it's just
0: yeah. <laughs> So I think Pat Metheny, the jazz guitarist, um, has played seven strings. I remember seeing him with seven strings, and I was like, oh, okay. I wonder what that's about. Mm -hmm. But um, I I never followed through a lesson, of course. (laughs) That was years ago. (laughs) But it's kind of like I, I don't necessarily want to play lower. I maybe want to just experiment with having the option to add a lower octave to an existing voicing you know sure so um i've just i've kind of been reading recently you know making the switch six string to seven string what do you need to know and it's from what i gather it's like not really as hard as people Mm -hmm. think it might be because it's still it's a b string and you have one of those already yeah so So everything you know from your b string is just now twice hmm
1: yeah so you you'd probably start off by playing with a lot of thumb muting, um, just so yeah. you can play all your old songs.
0: Right. Right. That's the other thing you got to get used to is a super fat neck
1: because mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you got to fit another string on that. Right. Forget eight strings. Jeez.
1: <laughs> That's next week's homework.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: So, all right. So, uh, so my perspective is you're actually adding a high string and you just down tuned to your guitar and Derek's perspective is no, no man, come on. It's a low <laughs> string. It's cool.
0: So, it's like I just kind of want to. I want to like hop down to a Guitar Center and just pick one up off the shelf and see if it's intuitive, basically, and, mm-hmm. I, and see if I totally hate it because I might.
1: You and might, that's okay. And, or you might have to buy one. Do you have the money right. for a guitar? Of course not. <laughs> this is this is like holding a puppy, Derek. I know you can't just go into the store and hold it and expect to not bring it home. Let's just say I hold a lot of puppies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you write that one right down
0: <laughs> yeah hold a lot of puppies <laughs> okay um, um, let's see Let's. but like I've played baritone guitars Taylor Guitars makes a baritone 8 string which is the coolest guitar I've ever played mm-hmm. it, it plays like a dream and the middle two strings are doubled so you get that like octave 12 oh. string sound oh my god it's so cool
1: it's Very so neat. low
0: and just like, oh, man, it's like earth moving. That sounds Great. wicked. It's awesome. Aircraft has one. Hmm. Had? I don't know if they sold it. They had two. They had the standard six-string one and the eight-string. And the eight was just like, oh, my God. Because it's so low, you're kind of losing. Obviously, you're losing some, quote, unquote, fundamental frequencies of guitar. So having these, like, extra higher notes in there kind of bring it back up a little. Mm-hmm. So, so cool.
1: Very so interesting. cool.
0: But it's like the kind of thing, I'm not going to play a baritone 8-string as my main guitar. You can't play every string on an 8-string, or on a baritone.
1: Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, right.
0: Hmm. I don't know, it's just one of the things, like I'm not I'm not totally opposed to 7-strings anymore like I was. Yeah. Well, Maybe this when is I a, try When I will be.
1: This is a good topic to get some feedback on. Yeah. Right into us, definitely. kids.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you have a 7-string, or, or play one regularly, I want to know, and I want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get Do some. You other. Add, are you adding a uh, high string or are you adding a low string?
1: Yeah. <laughs> are you team Justin or team Derek?
0: <laughs> oh man.
1: That sounds pretty good. Um yeah. You want to call it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. All right. Uh, all right. Hang on. I'm sorry. I have a No problem. I'm going to mute this. So.
1: Uh, A lot, of, uh, a lot of good that did you yeah. it's still muted uh, oh there it is
0: okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry hang
1: on uh, You know, your your nose with, with earphones in and it <laughs> yeah exploded I mean, a major your head
0: c- crisis in here <laughs> <laughs> sinus issue uh, okay so anyway do the rundown um do the rundown. So if you're if you're interested in this new Fender bass, we talked about uh, a little bit about Ray Dolby, the Mister Black, Revol- oh my God, reverb and tremolo deluxe plus thing, the coded string test, the Hall of Fame mini reverb, and uh, Pensado's place. Check out the show notes. Uh, also check out the ToneControlShow.com in between episodes because we are posting other stuff there, just cool things we find uh, about guitars and pedals and recording and all the things. Uh, in in the off weeks when we're not when we're not recording mm-hmm. um yeah and we want to hear about all the things you have to say so seven strings or otherwise hit us up tone show at gmail.com
1: absolutely right and yep. we'll see you next time we do an episode which hopefully won't be more than two weeks from now how's that sound i can't commit to that <laughs> 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 Alright, well, good night everybody. Bye-bye!